Let's go, let's go. Alright, we're live. We're recording. We're here. We're doing it. Big deep breath. Why, what, speaking of breath, why, why, why do you take a deep breath right there? What's it, what, what are you trying to do? Mm. Um, remind myself to live in the present. Live in the present? Right, because a lot of times your breath is going on in the background. It's in your unconscious. And when you bring your consciousness to that focus, you start to intermingle the pathways between your old brain and your new brain, right? And in some ways, you're stopping and bringing more light, more awareness to an unconscious movement pattern Mm -hmm. part of you, right? Yeah. So just kind of bringing myself together. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to do a quick intro here. (laughs) You've been my dog since the kennel. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, dude, uh, you know, we've known each other for, what, five years now? Going on five years, dude, six I think, years? I think it's been longer than that, yeah, because I, I was going back through some memories. I was like, dude, it was... Uh, As you always do. Sophomore year <laughs> of my of college, yeah. Yeah, sophomore year of college. I know, dude, it's crazy. So, we met at Ball State. We were in the exercise science program there, and I don't even remember what class it was. I think it was... What was it? What was his name again? N- Nagel, Nagel Kirk or something? I don't know. Oh my gosh! Yeah, exercise fizz. Yeah, two ninety three. Two ninety three. Who was the teacher? What was his Nagel Kirk? Nagel Kirk. It was Mr. Okay. Paul Nagel Kirk. <laughs> shout hilarious. out! Shout out to the OG. Literally. Wow. Um. So, we met there. Um. I don't even remember how exactly, but been friends ever since. You moved out to California. I moved to Austin. We, you know, separated a little bit. Um. During that time, we kept in touch. Like. It was there's a lot of transitioning going on in our lives, and uh, now uh, you've been in Austin for like a year and a half. Uh, we two years now, it's almost two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. Yeah, oh, 20, 2018 January. That was when I moved out here, January fifteenth. Damn, right? that's crazy. So, so I guess I didn't literally two and a half. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. So. We actually have been roommates for a while uh, until recently, so Damn. you know it's been like it's like a like a little detachment going on there, you know. And That's we're just now think about yeah, we're just now like getting back into it because I mean for the last two two years, dude, we've been like I'll see you at least once a day, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's good, you know, because we always have these long conversations, and I think it's cool that now you know, we are able to sit here and record the conversations and maybe dive into uh, subjects that are relevant more now than ever. Yeah. Especially because we, there was just a podcast on that Joe Rogan did. I forget the guy's name that he did it with. Do you remember? And, uh, Andrew Huberman. Andrew Huberman. So uh, it was a podcast and this guy's a neuroscientist. See, and that's what I said. Like he, he's not. He's not one. So he's speaking in, in some ways for them. And I think I think that's how it in some ways starts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times a neuroscientist is just going to be a professional in that uh, realm of neuroscience. But mm-hmm. what gives him his credibility? What did he achieve in that? Did he you know, have some profound research, learn mm-hmm. anything about the brain, the nervous system? Um, and so I think this is where Andrew is, you know, again, I'm maybe speculating, but his connection with Joe or, um, something got him to be able to be in front of them or have some credibility, have some, um, some value that yeah a lot of people feel they need to see in here. And that's where he's using, you know, kind of the same health concepts, you know, states of mind stress that he starts speaking on to, to kind of make it relevant with Joe's podcast. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should 
before we get into that, really establish what your background is in this field and why you're so interested in it, passionate about it, why it's your like purpose, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so after you graduated college, you went out to California, like we were saying, and maybe we could start the story. Maybe the story starts before then, actually. The yeah, story starts probably did. before then, so I'll let you take it. Um, so it's actually in my sophomore year of uh, college, actually the same year we met. Yeah. Um, I was powerlifting and I was kind of going through some different lifting adventures and my mom was certified in something called BioCord and it was using some different um, modalities that she'd never heard of. She'd always been a dancer, mover and um, athlete her whole life. And then this, some of the principles that were teaching in BioCord was just different, mm -hmm. right? Something that you never seen before. Mm -hmm. So she asked the instructor, she's like, you know, what is this stuff you're starting to trickle in, you know, all that. And she later found out that it was uh, kind of forms of drills that were um, basic neurological stimulus, right? Mm -hmm. Anything is a stimulus. It could be sound. It could be touch. Um, we have a lot of different ways to perceive a stimulus, but a lot of them were through the eyes and then through the inner ear. So my mom being, you know, kind of, um, you know, one that would investigate that a little bit more curious, you know, she was like, okay, well, I, I want to actually learn this. And mm -hmm. she found out who it was and what it was about Z Health Performance, right? So mm -hmm. this ambiguous company that talks about neurology, you're like, mm, what does that, what does that mean, right? I know what neurology is, but how does that apply? So she's like, well, you're in exercise science, you want to help people, wanting to move into the health world, this might be something worth looking into. And I was like, okay, you know, it sounds a little fishy, right? Neuroscience, what is that? And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watch, watch the video, you know, watch, you know, as much as I could a little bit on their website. But again, it's still like you're in a four day course. Like, am I going to a cult? Like, what is this? Like, this sounds kind of weird, yeah. but it's in New York city. Right. And mm -hmm. you know, New York city's not a place in my opinion where, you know, dumb shit is, goes on. Like, I mean, Bro, like, I'm sure a bunch of dumb shit happens in New York. Right. But in order <laughs> to like host a certification in New York city, like you have to have some credibility, right? Because maybe the, I mean, the finances, right. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of renting a place for four days. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of a hub of a location. It'd be different if it was like in the farmland of Vermont or Connecticut or something, you know, like, Oh, <laughs> there's the a barn. small town, you know, come, come to our seminar. But this was like New York city. We're like, okay, this, this sounds kind of cool. Yeah. May, 2016, Go and take my first course. Our phase. I was just like, whoa. Our this phase time. is what phase? Like, the, could you ca categorize it as like beginner? It's, like, you don't know anything and yeah. you just. So, the, yeah. So, so they basically break it down. You know, R, I, S, and T, they call that the four curriculum. And um, R is more about rehab, regeneration, and re, uh, rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. right? that, that's what rehab is, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're you know, focus there is they're, they're kind of keeping this very intro introductory and low level in terms of like, just understanding what the nervous system is, mm -hmm. threat modulation, understand movement, and then get people to understand that the brain is involved in everything we do, right? Just kind of getting their mindset to slowly start shifting, right? Because a lot of the things that our common industry talks about does not involve the nervous system. And um, they really don't have a good understanding of how it works and everything that we're doing. So mm -hmm. go take this course. Four days, I'm just blown away. I, I go to my professors. I'm like, yo, have you guys seen any of this, heard of the, any of this? Like Nagelkirk? Uh, I didn't actually ask <laughs> Nagelkirk. I went to um, uh, our one, f oh, what's her name? Short, short blonde. She was the, the head um, the head of the department for exercise science. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, because she was married to the She had those the strength strength nice coach. Nike outfits. You yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, start with a K. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she went to her. 
respected. Highly respected. Like she has her master's. She's the department head of this co- this college, which yeah. Ball State's known for its exercise science program, right? Kind of. I, I mean, mean, it is though, actually in, in in the country. Really? It is. Yeah. Like hmm. let's let's do our Google search. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, let's see how respected it is. I, I I mean, dude, I Ball State's known for some things, and I think one of them is David Letterman, and the other yep. is uh, yep. that it's in the middle of Indiana. Yeah, but but <laughs> also scared. I swear their exercise science program is highly ranked. Ball but, State exercise science. Let's see. Let's see. Um, rankings. You got to add that in somewhere. Rankings. Okay. Hey, while we're doing this, pull that pull that down a little bit. Move. I can't see your eyes. Mm. Yeah, move it. There we go. Okay. I want to be able. I it keeps getting in the way. You know what I mean? So got a little mask on. Um, dude, we're not gonna be able to find this. Let's just go ahead and let's just go ahead and keep moving on. I mean, cool. So anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no exercise science. Whatever. Ball State's known for it. This right. lady is the head of the. It's actually kinesiology now, there so maybe go. that's why we didn't do the search term. But the head of the kinesiology department. Right. You go and talk to her, and what she, she say? She's never heard of it. She's like, this sounds kind of BS, right? And this, I actually forgot this part. She told me that she actually suggested another seminar. She was mm. like, I, I told her I was interested in this one. Told her how much the price tag. She's like, whoa, there's. There's no way. Like, you, yeah. should, you should try this one. I yeah. was like, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Just try it. You know, I kind of trust my mom more on this one than anybody else. So went to it, and I was just blown away. Met some people from Germany. Met some people from, um, you know, Sweden, Switzerland. Like, kind of people all over the world coming to New York City to learn this. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's that's something else that's really interesting about this. Mm-hmm. Immediately in that course, like, the four days aren't even over. I'm already giving them my money to go to the next one. Like, mm. I'm that hooked on this is next level. This is... 20 years in the future right we are so far ahead of the game so that's that's may 2016 mm-hmm. july 2016 is the next course i face and i take both so that really just sparked and like kick-started my journey and my understanding into studying more about what the nervous system um, entails which that sounds so ambiguous but it's really just being so much more connected to uh your brain and body and again that term and that concept is so overused mm-hmm. but in ways that a lot of those people are not aware right mm-hmm. senses well, you, so you're talking about like they're overused in the sense of like maybe what like i feel like brain and body get encapsulated in uh esoteric terms like terms that like oh like the the astrological like the stars look a certain way and i feel a certain way because the stars are that way yeah well or well (laughs) or they're saying their brain and body and they're only really referring to like one mode of sense Mm. right like they're not they're not they don't understand the other uh you know all the other perceptions that are entailed in feeling Mm. something right it's not just your vision it's not just your sound like there's other um receptors that we have that are that are working Mm -hmm. uh that i that i think just get overlooked and a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't understand that are there so that's where i feel like that term is really overused but that's um again it really just connected you into a whole other level of awareness Mm -hmm. like you are so in tune with your body that um you almost wonder if other people are able to feel that same thing Mm -hmm. um so so that's you know i took the first two courses that just changed my life from right there i'm uh going into my junior year of college i'm like okay have this new skill set, this new certification. What do I want to do with it? Mm-hmm. I just started testing. I was like, I'm my own test subject. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through all the mobility, went through a lot of the drills that they were teaching. And the first two courses were more of the movement based. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you go more through the curriculum, they start teaching you more about the vision and the vestibular because it is more complex and it does take more 
understanding and more understanding but also more buy-in in yeah. a way right like you don't want to teach that on the first day because a lot of people be like well how does this apply i don't care about this ah uh, so they're more like application see results and then let's get to why you're seeing the results exactly so a lot of their, their first two courses they just briefly touch on the vision of the vestibular they, they let you know it's there but they're more like people came here to move and to learn about movement so let's teach them the movement that we do and it's yeah. very interesting mm -hmm. um but but that's you know the way they they started so go through my junior mm -hmm. year right yeah. going through and i actually didn't get to take a course and this is where it's interesting because my mom and i went through the first two courses together and then she kept going she was able you know had the finances and everything to continue through the curriculum i was still in school so i didn't you know have that luxury of taking that time off and going to these courses she just boom went through them hit them hard mm -hmm. um my junior year i didn't get through anything my senior year i was like okay i you know i have an undergrad that i'm about to finish up but the last portion is an internship mm -hmm. i remember cutting grass when um in the summer between my junior and senior year and i'm like okay i got a first semester knock it out get it done with second yeah. semester i'm out of here yeah where do i want to go yeah and uh so i took both those courses in in new york but at that time, I was doing some traveling with uh, my girlfriend, and we went out to the West Coast. We went out to California, and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Like, literally never seen such a beautiful place in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, nice vacation, you know, Cayman Islands, something like that. But, yeah. you know, downtown in Florida and all that. But uh, yeah, just felt like something about California was just so, so different yeah. in some ways. And... Um, so I remember cutting the grass and I'm just like leaning into this push mower and just like digging through the balls of my feet. And I'm just like, I'm going to fucking get out there. Like, I want to live there. Yeah. I want to be out there. Just, just something about it. And so that, you know, that day I literally went on the website and the, they have a section called find a trainer. Mm. And so I went through and I just scoped out the whole West coast of California and, um, looked for any trainers over there. And I just got their email you know, typed them up, yeah. told them what I was doing and said, Hey, is there any way I could come intern, could come shadow that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. At the time there's a gym in Berkeley, as mm -hmm. you know, F fitness evolved that was, uh, there. And I reached out to the owners and, um, you had never met them up to this point, never met them. Yep. Yeah. But I knew that they were kind of, kind of big, right? I looked at their website. I was like, wow, this actually looks kind of cool. And, um, I also knew that the owner was very well respected by the founder and the creator. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I knew that there's, of Z Health, the founder, uh, yeah, exactly. Of Z Health, Dr. Com. Um, mm -hmm. he and um, that the owner Andy were they they worked very closely together for the first few years, first five years, I want to say, mm -hmm. um, with Z Health and and kind of bounced ideas, I think, off each other. And then, mm -hmm. um, I think there was some something that happened, you know, I don't want to speak too much on that, but <laughs> anyway, he went, went and opened fitness evolved and that's where it was and it was a basically a gym where people knew that they were coming in to do things different they mm -hmm. were coming in to train differently right because it was only it was built around z health pretty much like the principles that were being taught there were only were ba majority based off of z health so i don't want to say they were uh you know majorly based off of z health i want to say that they used z health principles in their business model right mm -hmm. and again z health is not like when i speak on this it's not very like a, a cult it's not a like a belief system it's a, in some ways it's a way Educate. to change your perception mm -hmm. on um on life and mm -hmm. on how you have been living so 
Sounds like a cult. It sounds like a cult. Sounds <laughs> no, like a religion. Like whatever you want to. <laughs> but call it's, it. it's just an educational like uh, space on right uh, the brain. Right. But at you know you go through a history class like that's educational, but it could also change your belief on some things. Like you learn about race, you learn about you know something in history, and that yeah. can change you know how you feel. Mm-hmm. But what it was really teaching you was that what you were experiencing, what you were living through, like whatever it is in your life that was the current. Um, you had the power to change. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I think a lot of systems and a lot of people just don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, Meaning, like, you feel like crap, you move like crap, you think like crap, you're able to change all of those. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people feel or maybe are trapped in that mindset of, I'm powerless and I don't have the ability to to make a difference in Mm -hmm. those things. But so when you say that, some people probably get stuck in that state because you have the power to change mm-hmm. things but you might also not see things changing around you so you can easily fall into that state of you know man like this is a negative mindset because you're not necessarily seeing mm-hmm. the things around you change in a positive manner so i mean th- i think that there's definitely like that view of you can always you can always get better and things yeah that is very true but how how do you step into that on a consistent basis of being able to like say i can change my environment i can change my thoughts and all that and that we don't necessarily have to get into that right now (laughs) but i guess i just wanted to say like i think that there is a thing still though like right that you your environment sometimes your upbringing is maybe a little bit of why you have that mindset to begin with yeah no 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 i mean that's that's, you know, maybe they would consider that like part of your culture, right? Mm-hmm. Part of, you know, from when you were a kid to where you were at now, like part of your learned behaviors that are kind of not like rules, but like learned movements, learned behaviors, learned thinkings, mm-hmm. learned perceptions from parents, um, Whatever family members that was around in that growing up when you, your brain learned that stimulus, you know, learned to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that does shape a lot of it, but... So you guys were out there and or you just got out there in 2016 or was this 2017? So this, this so my internship was the fall of 2017. So that yeah. was August to December. That was when, you know, four months, boom. Out yeah, there. living in like a, like a garage, right? You were living in somebody's kind of like apartment garage or at that so, time? Or, so no, the, you were living in a Vallejo. Or, yeah, right? this, yeah. So I was way up north. So, yeah. you know, took this journey i was like I, I got the acceptance i was like okay i'm i'm going out there yeah it's like okay i gotta go find a place to live now and you know didn't really have much luck with bouncing <laughs> ideas off of other people so yeah, yeah found an apartment randomly up north thankfully my parents love you guys um helped me with this one because i was a broke college student yeah and oh my gosh it was like seventeen hundred dollars and i lived like a month just 45 minutes north of where i had to be every day yeah and took took that long highway drive every morning. I was like, man, this is brutal. I'm sitting in this California <laughs> traffic. Like, is this where I want to be at? You know, like, yeah. I'm just reflecting. I remember all those early mornings, but just watching people see the change and experience things differently. I was just so excited to see that. Like mm-hmm. it almost felt like your identity was being kind of confirmed and like what you were doing in life was, um, being supported in, in some ways, like, right. You know, that this business, this gym that I was just kind of almost overshadowing and just really like there in the background was, uh, filled with people that were happy to be there and were wanting to change and were maybe in pain, but were wanting to do things differently. Mm-hmm. And 
So I told you I did nothing but test on myself with the mobility drills and, and all these different things. And uh, so I took that and stopped being in the shadows and was like, all right, I need to like kind of prove myself. I need to like stand out and test it. So I basically started working with clients, um, you know, literally a month, two months into that internship mm -hmm. and almost to the point was teaching classes and was just literally training people. Mm -hmm. So you're going through a big growth period at this time. Like you're out in California by yourself. You're yep. um, learning something new. You're becoming a part of something as well. So it was a big shift for you. Yeah. Being just a completely different person, you know, and that's when, you know, that, that I felt confident about my ability. I felt like I knew I was shining and impressing people. So I, uh, I kind of felt that there was an offer coming. Mm -hmm. Offer came a couple weeks later. It's like, yeah. For a full-time job. For a full-time job, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm going to be done with this internship. I'm going to be leaving. And so that's when I drove back to back to the Midwest and then uh, packed up all my stuff and, and drove back out there. Mm -hmm. Took the job and, you know, right in January when I, when I accepted it, it was interesting because as soon as I accepted it, two trainers left. Mm -hmm. So I was interning and there were five people. I would have been the fifth person. Mm -hmm. Um two people dropped out. So then it was just three, yeah, <laughs> including me. And so I was like, well, wait a second. That's not what was happening. And so it just felt kind of different. Yeah. Anyway, go out there and just an amazing, amazing learning experience. I mean, from the moment I get there, just so much fun. It was just like, all right, it's real. Mm -hmm. You have, you have the power. I mean, it's seven, eight, nine, 10 AM. No one is in the gym, but me, mm -hmm. I'm unlocking the key. I, I have keys to a facility and it's like, wow, this it's freaking cool. Like I'm 23, 24 years old. And I'm just <laughs> like out in California, like living like, wow, yeah. it's, I'm opening up the gym, seeing people getting paid and, and, you know, coming from the Midwest, you know, the hourly rate there for what you're getting paid was not bad, even though looking back now, still on the lower end. Yeah. Um, but you know, my naive young mindset, I'm like, oh shit, getting, I'm, I'm making this money. I'm, I'm doing, doing pretty well. <laughs> look at, look back. I'm like, damn, I'm making like 60 K a year. Like that's, that's not doing well out yeah. in California. I was like, oh, but my, you know, my expenses were relatively low. Yeah. You know, just caught food and rent was really all I was paying for. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you were out there and like why you were there, like, um, you were learning a lot about how to interact, like actually apply what you were learning. Oh yeah. I mean, this is the thing is this environment, you know, your environment is everything, but the environment that was there was really cultivating, um, this growth and this almost, uh, journey of, of my like skill set, right? Like where I was in January when I showed up there versus the January when I was leaving completely different person. I yeah. mean, my confidence level had like 10 times just because I was being, you know, in some ways forced to adapt. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's you show up, Jan, you know, January fifteenth, and you're like, "All right, time to work. Let's go." And yeah, you're like, there's almost an expectation, a demand from you and what you can bring to the table. Yeah, and you know, that's where I just got done taking 9S structure right before I moved out there. Mm. Took that course with my mom, and it just completely again open my mind, open my understanding about the brain and about really what's in some ways, what's going on at a deeper level, mm -hmm. right? We're still, there's so much that we have haven't, to learn, yeah, haven't yeah. discovered, right? Yeah. But right now with the current, you know, science and research on neuroscience, I mean, we're, we know a lot and we yeah. know a lot to be able to change and make influence. And that's one of the things that it showed me. It just really in some ways removed the restrictions and the limitations on what is possible. Mm-hmm. 
So fast forward, there's a lot that we're fast forwarding through. You know, you oh, ended yeah. up having to, not having to leave, but choosing to leave, correct? Like, you, it wasn't like a, hey, we're closing, like, type of thing. It no, was like, it wasn't. Yeah, so so you left right before um, the gym eventually closed. Yeah. Come, come to Texas, come to, come to Austin. Um, you, uh, you know, had to kind of sacrifice a little bit of that, like, uh, that passion for a little while to, you know, make ends meet type of thing, right? Like, you... There wasn't any uh, clear opportunity here at the time. I mean, at the time, even more like I mean, two two and a half years ago, naive, you know, still, and uh, <laughs> we're still still doing things. And uh, so you come to Austin. Long story short, you make uh, it takes about nine months and for you to get into a, a training position. Let's call it right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you got the job at Equinox down here, and you're an Equinox trainer now, currently. Currently. And you've been doing that for like a year. How long? No, we we opened in uh in November. I want to say thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were hired in September, mm-hmm. so like literally almost two months before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for that first in Austin, yeah, well, that first first twelve months, first ten months in Austin was was a learning experience, you know, because yeah. As a trainer, you, you, I mean, unless your business is mainly online, if you're in your area, your network in a city, you know, that's, that's who you work with. And yeah. a lot of times, unless you, oh, you know what? I have this cousin in Seattle and you start moving to Seattle and they start referring to you like you're starting from the ground up. Yeah. People don't know who you are. Yeah. So you're starting from the ground up. You're making Pretty a much. name for yourself. Right. And that's yeah. when, you know, we started working together, started doing some film stuff. And, you know, a lot of this fire, this energy came about of like creating a name, creating a status, creating a, a place where people could go and, and get content, you know, through Instagram, through my page. Yeah. Um, as Evolver. As Evolver underscore performance. <laughs> yeah, we um, changed the yeah, underscore performance. Yeah. Underscore performance. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's where it was almost like re confirming your identity yeah. right it was like okay you're in a new location you have a possibility to be a different you yeah like you can almost change that version of yourself and into whatever you want right yeah kind of this concept that's being really popular right now neuroplasticity right mm. just the, the ability to rewire change the the function of the brain mm-hmm. and so you know that's where i just went with it took off i was i was working as a mover right mm. it, at einstein moving company uh <laughs> Shout is out. that a shout out or like a, uh, I don't know, like is it? It could be like kind of like a. I, if, man, if you guys I, need some moving help, just just call me, please. <laughs> um, but no, it was a it was a grueling experience. I remember twenty nine thousand, thirty thousand steps a day in one hundred and ten degree te- Texas heat. Texas baby. heat first this, summer this heat too, because it's not summer? like it's not like you've been. Because I feel like if you stay in Texas a little while, like and now it doesn't even seem like that hot. I didn't something. feel like this summer was hot at all. No, exactly. Last summer. <laughs> see and i didn't think that last summer was that bad because i was here the first summer the first summer i was here i was like damn this heat is something <laughs> this heat is something <laughs> this, this heat is something gross man oh my gosh so um, moving but that's where i was like i don't know who i want to be like i'm trying to get you know these ide- ideologies that i'm really passionate about you know hey guys you can improve your performance by not stretching you mm-hmm. don't you can get more range of motion by doing a vision drill you can what you can you can you don't stretch right right? you don't stretch or you know just helping people find more efficient ways to what they're trying to really achieve you know and that's that's where it's like okay i'm in a new city let's bring it let's show these people what's what it's all about Mm -hmm. and um you know one of the reasons i 
kind of tried to leave the Midwest was because a lot of the people, in my my opinion, um, are somewhat closed-minded. Like, there are so many people in this world that they see something new or they see here something that is different than what they've learned or heard of and they just quickly like press it They're yeah like, i don't don't know about it just push it away mm. and that's fine with you know because a lot of there are in this day and age a lot of people that are coming up with bullshit you yeah. know just to try and literally sell. get sell you a different idea yeah. but there is a level of putting a little bit of effort into critically thinking mm-hmm. and using the the skill set, the mind that you're given and that you have in this world to to think about something and to critically like, does that make sense? Yeah. Does that seem like it could be possible? Maybe I put another 30 second Google search and look up something about this, then I can form an actual opinion instead mm-hmm. of just being naive and just like pushing it away, pretending it doesn't exist. Yeah. That's what I felt like a lot of people did. Show them a vision drill. People were just like, what what, what the hell does that do? Yeah. So at some level, it's like, wow, people are either really dumb or they just really don't care or see the impact of how this can really change them. Yeah. And probably probably uh, the first one. Probably the first one, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so that's that's really what my mission has, you know, in, in some ways my my goal in this world is to really help people see that they they do have the power they do have the ability to change how they feel how they move how they think how they live their life Mm -hmm. you know one of my biggest successes is 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 just helping people get out of pain Mm -hmm. you know pain is something that is so debilitating but in some ways is so um fixable it's fixable yes curable but in some ways it's it's like very close to our uh survival right it actually pain yeah okay pain yeah very close to your survival lives in the first brain right in your first brains maybe your reptilian brain yeah your old brain um it's where all of your autonomics live right Mm -hmm. breathing heart rate Mm -hmm. um hunger sex Mm -hmm. all these different things that uh contribute to your existence in Mm -hmm. this world pain is one of those you're in pain your brain starts to worry what's going on if you're living in pain and you can't change it then oof, you're just not really living in, in some cases, right? Yeah. You're uh, surviving. Uh, You're not thriving, maybe. But what is thriving? A feeling. It's Ooh, a feeling okay. of okay. being... It's a it's a the sense that you're doing what you're meant to do. I don't know, that you're here for a reason, that you're on the right path. The feeling, I mean, because... I mean, is it I, related to purpose at all? Yeah, but then again, like, what's the purpose? Like, I mean, uh, but anyway, so uh, pain is yeah. one of those things that, you know, is subjective too, right? Like, it's there's no objective measure of, like, what is painful. And exactly. Because, like, I mean, you know, you could go on a run. Somebody could be in pain and and stop, and somebody could be in pain and not stop too, exactly. I guess. You know, exactly. like, I, I don't know. Like, there's a... What is that? What is pain? Well, we have a we have a very interesting relationship with pain. You know, our our world really, in some ways, drives this. Pain is gain, mm-hmm. right? Um, psh, my dad always used to say, uh, "Pain is gain, pain yeah. is gain, pain is gain." And it's just like, what? No, that's that's not how it works. No like, pain, no gain. Exactly, no pain, no gain. Pain is weakness leaving the body, right? Like push through it. And yeah. in some ways, you're like, wait a sec, what if that's not the right answer? Um, and that's where unless you've been in pain and, and you know, you, you said something very, uh, interesting pain is subjective. Exactly. Yeah. Pain is so individual. Your pain is so specific to you. Mm-hmm. I cannot feel your pain. You can't feel my pain, but we can 
feel similar pains like oh when i run i feel this pain or i'm just sitting in pain. i'm in pain right now sitting mm-hmm. right um so you can kind of describe it and put it into your own terms and put it on a scale a spectrum and measure it but at the same time it's it's so specific to you and your beliefs on what is going on in your life mm-hmm. so that's one of the things too is just re-educating people on pain has been so much fun i mean literally what, 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 okay re-educate me on pain i think that pain right now is something that um i need to go to the chiropractor for what um Oof. what where like what what is pain to you yeah so pain is more in, in my you know again professional opinion is is a protective output it is a way to get you to change what you're currently doing whether you're currently sitting moving standing looking uh breathing all these different things pain is a way that your unconscious um part of your brain communicates with your body to change the current stimulus mm-hmm. right and a lot of times like with that old school thinking pain is weakness pain is you know push through it you're in some ways reinforcing it so a lot of people are actually living in pain and they don't know that they have the option to not do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. By, ju- by just changing their mindset literally mm-hmm. like um explain pain supercharged on on online it's like 150 bucks super super in-depth book about the neurology and the science behind pain and our our current studies but it talks more and more about how we can change it and what it really is we Mm -hmm. have different types of pain we have somatic pain visceral pain um and we have all these different levels and intricacies of pain itself that Mm -hmm. we still are um you know understanding Mm -hmm. like phantom limb pain how can somebody not have a leg and they still feel pain Mm -hmm. in their leg Mm -hmm. so it really just kind of destructs all of a lot of people's current ideas and beliefs about pain Mm -hmm. so what do you think like um in in what's your goal to change like how do you want people to see pain as like what do they do about if they have pain what do i do about it uh first get in contact with me (laughs) because no seriously i i love i love helping people get out of pain because in some ways um when you are in pain you are a slave to your unconscious you're mm-hmm. you're not really living right if you wake up every single day and you're in pain you do something different you pop a pill you smoke a cigarette you find some sort of drug of choice to change that feeling mm-hmm. because what you know is when you're in pain you don't move the same mm-hmm. you don't think the same your personality is different mm-hmm. you're in some ways maybe living in a more survival state mm-hmm. you're more aggressive because that pain is in some ways driving a lot of threat in your body and you don't you can't really put words to it but you feel it mm-hmm. and you feel this like god damn this hurts so do you think that that's a bad thing all the time uh all the time well I mean, like uh maybe it could be beneficial as well for survival reasons so right? exactly right pain is something that we need to feel alive mm-hmm. but when you're feeling it all the time that's when it comes into a point of you're not really living right so like you said yeah yeah you step on uh you're going on a hike right you roll your ankle that's pain Mm -hmm. and like uh, an injury possibly Mm -hmm. um unless you've been doing mobility with me because then you won't roll your ankle um (laughs) that's that's possibly an injury right and that's possibly pain but at the same time um you could step on a stick and that goes through your foot that's still also gonna be pain it's information from parts of your body to let your brain know something's wrong yeah we got to change it so give me an example real quick of i i haven't been training with you i roll my ankle it hurts but what happens when i do train with you and I roll my ankle and it doesn't hurt. Yeah. So this is where we're like getting into a really deep idea and concept about how the brain and body work together. So 
you're rolling your ankle, right? I'm going to use my hand. I know the camera can pick this up. but you're, you're, Hopefully it's still on. Yeah. We're rolling the ankle out, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. And that's how you roll your ankle, right? Yeah. Well, what happens when you actually roll your ankle is your brain has maps for how to move and basically um, possibilities of ways that it can move its different parts of the body, your spine, mm-hmm. legs, knees, all the way down to your ankle, mm-hmm. right? Well, if you've never intentionally practiced and said, hey, brain, I'm going to roll my ankle into this position, it doesn't really know how to go there unless when you're a kid, whenever in your life you've done that position before. Or, like many people, I've sprained my ankle before. So a lot of times people have this memory of, oh, I can move my ankle about here, 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 but then... Which is like 45 degrees. Like, yeah, you know, not very you, much. But yeah. then, oh, you know, eight years ago, I rolled my ankle really bad playing hockey or, or playing, you know, tennis, whatever it was. Um, had a bad experience with it. That's when you learn that that's the end range of motion that my ankle can go in, mm. right? And what, um, I wouldn't say my idea, but my style of teaching and coaching is owning a lot of different ranges of motion in all the different joints in our body. So mm. you take that step, it's on not unstable ground, but it's on something that's maybe not flat and your brain has to control the stability of your ankle. Well, it rolls out to that comfortable position and then what happens is the range of motion that you have not practiced in, mm-hmm. right? So that 40-ish degrees range of motion, that's that you've been in before, your foot and ankle goes out to that beyond range of motion and it your brain allows that. But at some level, your brain says, shit, we haven't trained there. This is scary. Your threat level starts creeping up, creeping up, creeping up because it's all the uh, perceptions that are coming in from the um, Golgi tendon organs, the different ligaments and connective tissue, the nerves that are innervating that area of the foot, mm. um, that basically perceive this stretch, 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 and then all of a sudden it says that's too far. And what happens is it creates a startle reflex, right? Startle reflex is like, oh, somebody scared you, and you jump up to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a protective mechanism that pulls your ankle back into that safety range, and that's actually how you tear your ankle or sprain your ankle or roll it. Damn. So it's literally not the fact that you just went into that range so of motion. Yeah. It's the fact that you went into that range of motion and you haven't been there before. And your brain's like, oh, I don't like this, seizes up and pulls everything back really fast. And, and that's when it. that's when it snaps or in some she cases stretches. it's mild, right? It's just yeah. a, a small tear, yeah. small sprain. Yeah. Those are, you know, a week or so, just ice and everything, you'll be fine. But at the same time, Sometimes if you're running down a hill and you actually like with some really intense force, you can roll your complete ankle, break a bone, like how people yeah. get hurt. So one of the things is how do we prevent that? How do we make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah. Well, that's why what I do is teaching people how to move at a joint by joint level, right? Mm-hmm. Literally learn to move your ankle in that position, control mm-hmm. it in all these different ranges of motion, your hand, right? Move it in the ways that your brain has to coordinate a lot of different movements and a lot of different positions, timing, rhythm, all that to challenge the brain to move and own the body very mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, you know, what is, uh, what's one of the things that people need to start doing more often? Very general question, Oof. but like, uh, okay, maybe I'll put it like this. There's a, there's a guy that goes to the gym, a guy or a girl that goes to the gym interested in looking good um why can can, like it does does what you do like apply to that person like how i don't know why would somebody want to understand your concepts Mm -hmm. um so this is where you know my belief in in 
with this experience, like as I learned functional neurology and, you know, applied neuroscience, when I started to go down this path of living a different life and thinking about the world, thinking about movement, thinking about how we feel and we coexist, we live in this world differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's really brought up questions like that. How do I, how do I help that guy that doesn't really care about how he moves? Mm. He literally only cares about what he sees in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Just wants those abs, just wants those muscles, just wants to see that stuff. And, and exactly what I just said, just wants to see. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times our world is very visually oriented, right? Everything from screens to um, everything. I mean, TV, like yeah, everything yeah. is a, in some ways, a visual stimulus, right? Yeah. Well, the reason for that is the wiring. Mm -hmm. Like literally our anatomy is we are wired to receive two times the amount of uh, neural activity through one of our eyes compared to the amount of neural activity it takes to move to pick up my phone. Mm. So one more time. For one of my eyes, it receives twice the amount of information. Twice the amount of information. You get in that camera? <laughs> twice the amount of information just in receiving stimulus through the fan, through the light, through seeing somebody, seeing color. Yeah. As it is to create a movement mm -hmm. throughout your whole body. So in this tiny little eyeball, you have more dedicated wiring and electrical um, inputs. inputs, right? Re receptors for receiving stimulus through your eye than you do throughout your entire body. Mm -hmm. That alone should be questioning almost everything that we are. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes so much sense that we look before we move and how vision can actually influence movement. Mm -hmm. So this is where it goes back to that guy that's just looking in the mirror is looking for a reason because he doesn't feel himself. Mm. He's using his, you know, more dedicated you know wiring to seeing something mm -hmm. to say that's that's who i am mm -hmm. based on that visual perception that's who i am hmm. but as we know your vision can lie to you mm -hmm. your vision your perception can be inaccurate mm -hmm. right and so that's where a lot of times people rely on their vision but then when they don't have their vision they have to move in ways that they can't see or they're not looking yeah what do you have and that's where we have other systems that we can talk about. And yeah, that's it, what I was going to ask next. It's like, okay, so you have all of that uh, wiring that's coming from your eyes and all of that input to your brain. But what happens when your eyes are closed? Like, uh, what do you like? Almost not even just on a explain it basis. Like, do you can you talk about a little bit what like the actual anatomy or like the physiology mm -hmm. behind closing your eyes like does to your brain? Like, you know what? What happens when you close your eyes? Yeah, so when you're closing your eyes, you're obviously not receiving visual input, right? And one of the things based on the anatomy of our nervous system and parts of our brain is our sympathetic nervous system lives in our eyes, mm -hmm. right? And that's why when people are on screens more, their sleep and their stress levels spike, right? Their sleep goes down, but their stress levels spike because sympathetic nervous system is a fight or flight, right? Let's go. Mm -hmm. we're, we're stressed out. Mm -hmm. Boom. We got to make a decision, right? So a lot of times when you're closing your eyes, you're lowering that sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways you could say driving more parasympathetic tone, but in, in just in general, lowering the, the sympathetics. So the other thing too is closing your eyes is unless you're in an environment that you know mm -hmm. is in some ways scary. Mm -hmm. So just because you're removing the visual stimulus, it might lower your sympathetic nervous system. But the fact of your mind is still kind of threatened because you're like, I've only been here for 30 minutes. 
I don't know this environment very well. Mm. I'm going to be on maybe higher alert, mm-hmm. kind of more on edge to be ready for any other stimulus. Like I need to be able to predict if there's something that's going to harm my well-being mm-hmm. or if I'm you know, around people I trust, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to worry about that, mm-hmm. right? And this is where like taking your eyes out of it, you start to rely on other senses. Mm-hmm. So what you have um, that basically tells you which way am I going and what way is up mm-hmm. is your vestibular system. Mm-hmm. And this is the more that we study it, the more that we see how people become dysfunctional when this system um, stops working well, um, we really, really get to learn the intricacies of this area and its influence on our gut, influence on digestion, influence on your mood, influence on your balance, mm. influence on your autonomic uh, nervous system. Literally everything that is going on in the background is a function of your vestibular system. Which your vestibular system is so it's it's wild it is literally and this and this is where we're getting you know we talk about biology we're we're conceptualizing things that are at a level where we can't see yeah right like cells like we know that they're there we know that they're there we're there that they are there mm-hmm. but we can't actually see them unless mm-hmm. we use a microscope or we you know have some advanced technology to allow us to to, to study this mm-hmm. but your vestibular system is literally the size of your pinky nail mm-hmm. like that's really small unless you're like shack hands and then your pinky nail is like a little bit bigger so, so it might it might, <laughs> might be a little bit bigger right but lives behind your eyes and then you take like your ear canal straight in and then behind your eyes and you have this size of your pinky nail system on the left side and on the right side that is your vestibular system so basically it's just behind your eyes just behind your eyes yeah mm. and it literally um takes inputs there's um there's fluid inside of it there's um little rocks that as you tilt, rotate, move your head in different orientations based on gravity, right? Because gravity is the only um, force, unless you're moving, it's the only force that's acting upon you. Mm -hmm. And that's how our vestibular system grounds itself, right? Mm -hmm. So people with vertigo, people with um, things like pain, Mm -hmm. anxiety, depression, bipolar, like all these now uh, more looked at as mental, like... uh, Problems. Yeah, mental... uh, Challenges. Yeah, mental health like, I don't want to label it as a disorder or dysfunction, but, you know, having a, a challenge in, in your mental health is now being more studied and more related to eye movement and how well this vestibular system works. Mm-hmm. Now, let's back it up a sec. So, um, imagine, imagine you're in that environment that we just talked about, right? You're, I'm you, in a new place. In don't a new, know anybody. In a I've new been place. here for 30 minutes. Exactly. And your eyes are kind of taken out of it. Say you're in a hotel room, right? Mm-hmm. You stay there for the night. And you've only really been around the room very couple times. You walk in and you check the sheets, make sure there's no like uh, cigarette stains or anything or like a clean sheet. Or whatever. I, don't, I don't know if that's what you're doing at your Motel <laughs> 6, but here at the Holiday Inn, we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no. Uh, so you go in this room, right? And you've only seen it a couple times. So your brain still is kind of keeping memory and c- recollection of like, ooh, how do we study that pattern? How do we move habitually around our suitcase, around the couch that's in there? And your vestibular system is basically heightened now because of we're don't have the sense of assuming the lights off. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's where all these other systems, like, um, your perception from proprioception, right. All the different cells, like the hairs on your arms. Do you feel a cool breeze? Do you feel a touch? Um, all these senses start to kind of heighten mm-hmm. because the visual system is not giving you a lot of input. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing too, is notice your speed of movement, right? Eyes are open. You're walking, cruising by, but then as soon as your eyes are still open but there's not as much light and you're not seeing 
you're like, ooh, I'm kind of slowly creeping throughout this because I don't remember exactly where the couch is, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's how really your vestibular system shapes and kind of changes a lot of your movement and a lot of who you are. Mm -hmm. Like literally your coordination mm -hmm. um, is affected by your vestibular system. Your ability to sit upright, to balance on one leg, mm -hmm. all related to your vestibular system. How does your vestibular system get damaged? Like well, why isn't everybody's vestibular system straight out of the box like the same thing, you know? This is, this is the beautiful part about neurology and neuroscience is it depends. Mm -hmm. we're, we're still learning so much about it. So right here, right now, what we used to think and kind of like where our studies and beliefs are now is head traumas. Mm -hmm. Literally moving your head is a vestibular stimulus. So if you get pushed, you play a sport, you fall down. Those are in some ways traumas to that vestibular system, right? Well, if you're in a car accident, right, those are what would be considered a traumatic brain injury that really challenges the ability of the vestibular system to work well mm -hmm. right so we have something that's called reflexive stability so if i'm standing on one leg or i'm just standing up and you tap me or push me my brain via my vestibular sense oh my goodness vestibular system yeah senses that we're going offline like going off center and basically fires the muscles on the opposing side if i'm getting pushed to the left fires the muscle on the right side to pull me up and realign me back to neutral, right? Mm. And that's what is considered our balance or our uh, vestibular system keeping us standing up. Mm -hmm. So, go ahead. Um, not to completely interrupt there. I want to get back to this. Sec but what? So we've only covered vestibular system from one place. A system normally has a couple different things. So if it's just the that thing behind your eyes, let's call it. Like I don't necessarily. What is that thing called? Like the thing behind your eyes is it just your vestibular system or is there like a name for whatever that thing is like what's the system itself mm -hmm. so the vestibular system actually comprises of different nerves and different receptor receptors so mm -hmm. what i'm showing you is what the actual vestibular system looks like on each side yeah so there's the right side and the left side and in those uh different receptors there's different canals boom so this is called avor so looking at showing the head movement is creating different rotations. Yeah. And as you can see, when we rotate right and left, we get different areas of the vestibular system that light up. Yeah. Right. So if I rotate my head to the left, my right inner ear, my right vestibular system is sensing, hey, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving, and we're rotating to the left. Yeah. Right. Well, usually when you rotate left, your eyes also lead because you're about to look over there to see where you're about to move or see what's over there. Yeah. So your vision and your vestibular system are very closely aligned and that's where it can get damaged literally anytime you fall. Um, people that don't like roller coasters have in some ways maybe a compromised vestibular system. Mm. People that get dizzy, people that get vertigo, people that struggle with uh, constant anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, uh, schizophrenia, mm -hmm. all these different kind of mental health diseases are a function of that vestibular system. So the vestibular system is your eyes, ears, brain? Like what is, like what comprises the vestibular system? So the vestibular system is its own entity, right? It is part of your cranial nerve number seven, which mm -hmm. is your vestibulocochlear nerve, mm -hmm. right? So on that nerve, you have different receptors and different uh, vestibular nuclei that mm -hmm. sense different things, right? You have different nu different nuclei to sense rotation, to sense tilts, mm -hmm. to sense uh, 
you know, forward and backward, uh, what's called linear translation. Yeah. Um, and then you have things like up and down, like for your saccule. So you have different areas that basically stimulate different movements, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you do those movements, it again, lights up different parts of the vestibular system to tell you which way am I going? And again, which way is up, Mm -hmm. right? The only force that we feel is gravity. And that's what keeps us upright, right? Our orientation to gravity is what informs our brain at an unconscious level. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Are we sitting here in a room and are we not standing? Mm-hmm. Right? There's no real challenge of us gonna fall, so our, our threat levels may be lowered. Mm-hmm. But if we're standing, it's different, right? We have to be like, hey, we're we're focused. Yeah. In yeah. some ways, not just your mind is focused, but your vestibular system is still, uh, I would say, upregulated or working harder to make sure you don't fall over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Somebody pushes you, bumps into you, you have to be prepared to stabilize. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, how the system gets damaged is, like you said, car accidents, falling, hitting your head on the counter, mm. right? Any time that you boom and have a trauma to the head and all of a sudden that vestibular system hits a target, right, has to be stopped, has some traumatic force to that area. Mm-hmm. Those Airbag. Airbag, exactly. Those forces and impacts to the skull um, not only damage the brain and the brainstem, but also how well that vestibular system stabilizes. Because what we talked about, right, is if you're upright and somebody pushes you over, you have to stabilize and come back to neutral, right? Well, what happens if that thing is a punch that hits you, Mm -hmm. right? That's a more forceful, more impactful feeling that your brain's like, "Uh oh, uh oh, we're getting hit, 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 hit. We have to pull back, boom, and then pull back, right? That's, again, kind of like that ankle tilt concept, right? You roll, 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 and then, oh, that's too far. Yeah. Snap, Yeah. right? That startle reflex comes into play there, too. And that's when people get what's called whiplash yeah. injuries. And, and a lot of times, if you've ever been in a car accident or something like that, you feel it. It's like none other, you know, kind of perception that you ever experience. You mm-hmm. know, when you have a head trauma, from anywhere to internal bleeding to like having a cracked skull or to literally just having a concussion mm-hmm. it, it it affects you in ways that you can't really put a term on right mm-hmm. your identity changes your neurochemistry changes you know i know that's an ambiguous term but your your literal wiring of who you are is now affected mm-hmm. um one of the things that they're really starting to continue to uh study and explain is like you break a bone right so you break your forearm and the structure is broken right the bone on bone connection is broken well you get a cast you get rehab you get physical therapy whatever it is to sometimes surgery sometimes surgery to repair and and fix that structure right you establish the structure but where our current fitness industry and rehab area is failing us is they teach you how to relearn and reuse that mobility or that that arm or that limb, right? They may give you some like basic things, but very little are they actually giving you real life application movements that that teach you how to reown and reuse that thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that concept also applies to our brain, right? Say you get in a car accident. Well, oh, you know, I didn't really have anything uh, externally. I didn't crack my head open, but I had like kind of a headache and kind of uh, some blurred vision, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's your structure still being affected inside your brain and nervous system. But then what about the function that has to also get fixed mm-hmm. and, and looked at and tested? Yeah, like well, how do you even fix that? That's where people are really not sure how to study and how to measure that. Well, this person isn't the same anymore. They're not feeling the same. They're not, you know, and this is where a lot of times it's very subjective. It's very individual of how 
they they feel before and how they feel after right mm. a lot of times that person is completely different because their brain is different yeah they're healing they're dealing with a really big trauma and mm-hmm. depending on the severity you know it goes to the level of literally making them uh not able to function mm-hmm. i would really argue that homeless people are perfect cases for that mm. we kind of put them in this group of people that are not like us mm-hmm. they seem very very like survival based they're very maybe aggressive very in some ways maybe not friendly mm-hmm. and that's a lot of times because they have drug use and head injuries mm-hmm. right head injuries literally debilitate our ability to live mm. right you get shot you can depending on where you get shot like you can make it through you can get the the, the, mm-hmm. the wound healed and mm-hmm. fixed but you have like a cracked skull or you know you slipped a disc from hitting your head so hard like your existence is very very compromised there, yeah right yeah and that's so, where it puts so much importance on that system mm-hmm. so there's that side to it right yeah. but like the like that that was an example that i was gonna cause some controversy right again <laughs> no i'm just kidding but uh uh what there, there's like that side of well you have to want to get better or you have to know you have a problem yeah how like i mean sometimes you don't know sometimes you you've hit your head 20 times that's what you're used to yeah i mean when when is the when how do people how can you like measure how well your vestibular system is doing yeah. is there a is there a tool or is there a test or is there something that i can say oh my vestibular system I mean, I, you could guess that it's been messed up, right? Like you can you can go back and look at your history and say, oh yeah, I've hit my head a bunch of times. I've done this. I've done this. But how can I test? Like, I need help here. Yeah. So this is where it's it's a system that is going on and working in everything that we do, and is really really hard to conceptualize for a lot of people. How does this apply to my movement? Mm-hmm. Right. How does this make me think better? How does this make me feel better? Right. Well, excuse me, what I do in, in my testing, in my work with clients is we, we test different head positions and we test your ability to move yourself and your brain based on the different areas of the vestibular system we're trying to target, right? Mm-hmm. So head tilts is one of them, like for the otolith organs. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we test like saccule, like bouncing with a head tilt or bouncing or squatting, right? Mm-hmm. And then basically we can just watch you move. Like we can literally just see your movement in the world and test different head positions and kind of see, you know what, this area needs work. This area in your brain or in your vestibular system specifically needs rewired, mm-hmm. right? It's not functioning well. Like you should be able to move in all that um, that diagram I just showed you. Mm-hmm. You should be able to move in all these different positions, right? Mm-hmm. So it's showing a left and right movement, moving at an angle, mm-hmm. right? You should be able to move very, very well, very coordinated in these different positions, mm-hmm. right? And so this is how we essentially mapped out the vestibular system. Well, that's a baseline, right? So we test, looking at a target, can you move your head up and left while keeping your right and left eye on that target and Mm -hmm. it stays clear? Mm -hmm. That's how we start to test. Mm -hmm. Well, if it loses clarity, that's a sign that something about that canal is not working. Mm -hmm. And that that might not seem like it affects much, but it goes to the level of, you might feel anxious because your vestibular system isn't working well. Mm -hmm. You might feel really depressed because you've been sitting all day. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because you've been sitting. It's because your inner ear hasn't moved or hasn't gotten more stimulus that's mm-hmm. causing you to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And this is where we really get into the your neurology mm-hmm. and how well it functions is how well you live mm-hmm. and how 
well you function in mm -hmm. your life, mm -hmm. right? You're supposed to be anxious. You're supposed to feel depressed. You're supposed to have those feelings. You're a human. You're meant to feel. But when you're anxious for five days straight and you can't leave the house, that's when we're like, okay, we need to do something. Mm -hmm. But a lot of our current treatments for that is more based on medication, quick fix, and a lack of understanding of these deeper complexities that are going on in our brain and body that we don't know about and are still really studying. Mm -hmm. So back to that original question, how do we know when it's not working or how, how do we know when it's affected? Well, your vestibular system is right now being studied as it is one of the first systems that is developed when you're a going okay. from an embryo to a fetus to an actual baby, mm -hmm. right? Somewhere in that process, when you start having a heartbeat, your vestibular system is born. Mm. That time right there, because guess what? You're moving all around in the womb, right? Mm -hmm. That's your orientation of gravity being mapped out. Well, then mm -hmm. guess what? As soon as you're born, how much movement do you have? What do you do? Mm -hmm. Are you crawling and are you moving first? Mm -hmm. Or does it take you a couple of years to do that? Mm. And that's where we're really, really studying how well those even infants and babies and kids start to function. Because that's who you are as an adult, really. <sighs> yes. You're just a and result it, of all that stuff. In in some ways, but it, it can still be changed and affected with your lifestyle, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that you're like... It's kind Stuck. Of that, exactly. It's yeah. not the genetics, like that you're predisposed. I'm going to be this way. It's saying you are maybe started with this system, but mm -hmm. based on... You, as you age as a kid and going forward, that influences who you are. So, mm -hmm. for example, when you're two, three, four years old, were you playing sports mm -hmm. and were you learning to crawl and move and walk and run? Or were you reading books mm -hmm. and were you like watching more of the TV? And this is where now we're starting to see that's who starts to shape who becomes a scientist versus who becomes the, the baseball player. Mm -hmm. Your vestibular system influences your thinking, your coordination, your movement. And if it's not been working well based on maybe your parents' uh, mm -hmm. environment when mm -hmm. you were a baby and in the womb, can start that influence and can start that adaptation. Mm -hmm. And this is where now it's even you know more so being studied of how it is very, very affected from before you're really even born mm -hmm. to all the way till you die. You mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. So in the podcast that Joe had mm -hmm. um i was listening a little bit and one of the things that he talked about i'm gonna go down the list here let's do it but the, the one of them was play um Oof. and uh one of them was sleep stress performance all that stuff focus was the main thing though i was like okay like uh what because he's saying focus like he's talking about it in terms of adaptation i think like or becoming um better mm -hmm. and um what 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 do you see how does the vestibular system improve due to focus, let's say? Or is that even like a the right terminology to put together, like focus and vestibular system and like change and adaptation and all that? Like what 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 do we what do we got there? Depends. Are we are we speaking more, you know, physiological and, and like more uh more of like a thought process? Or are mm -hmm. we speaking more in like we're moving and we're testing this? Because again, your vestibular system is very, very, very active in movement mm -hmm. right just sitting here how we can communicate mm -hmm. is not our heads right mm -hmm. that's a vestibular stimulus right you, you disagree no like that's a, a perception and a, a stimulus that you're responding to and and uh, you know communicating with right mm -hmm. so in a conversation right there's not very much vestibular movement right you're just kind of moving your head around but versus walking running like an actual sport or something like that that's where it translates into a different area so mm -hmm. in terms of focus it's it depends what are we doing 
Are mm-hmm. we focusing on a task at a desk and are we typing something where we're more, like I said, more cognitively focused? Mm-hmm. Or is it like I'm in a baseball swing and I'm working on focusing on my hand drive mm-hmm. and the rotation coming from my hands as opposed to um, my lower body? Mm-hmm. That's a different, those are different things. And the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are different focuses because now you're bridging the gap between more of more of cognition and yeah. more of what I would say you're it started raining outside everybody if you are listening still the, and the thank staticky. you for listening still if you are still listening but it's uh it's raining outside so translates between let's see uh your cognitive brain and more of like or sorry your new brain to more of your old brain right your old brain's like am i falling kind of keeping you upright that sort of thing but also in the new brain it's more of like your consciousness your critical thinking mm. your thought process mm-hmm. your focus is going to be more of your second brain your new brain mm-hmm. right that's where that kind of lives mm-hmm how we start to really train and break things down is bridging the gap between both Mm -hmm. where we're taking our breath while we're learning a new concept, right? An unconscious function with a conscious function and merging them together Mm. creates a quicker learning and a quicker adaptation. Mm. So like a takeaway there could be while you're learning something new, um, like more on a physiological level or like a movement level, practice your make sure you're aware of your breathing yeah. as you're doing that or is it is it across all areas across learning a new skill on the computer everything or, yeah. i mean your breath is in some ways like your power mm-hmm. it's your fuel mm-hmm. your fuel com- comprises of glucose mm-hmm. at, at a more basic level don't you know you can get into a nutrition topic some of but glucose, glucose what's that there, i thought it was just keto and like the, the, uh, the, the most basic form of sugar right <laughs> glucose and uh and fuel which is oxygen and co2 right essential essential things that without either one our brain does not function Mm -hmm. there is no neurological activity Mm. take away the you know either one and all of a sudden we cannot function Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day um your breath is one end of that equation Mm -hmm. you know your inhale of oxygen and exhale of co2 is a way that we drive change that mm-hmm. we drive activation that we drive everything that we are mm-hmm. you want to get up and move well you have to breathe mm-hmm. that's something that has to go on but how much are you thinking about your breath in one day mm, probably uh, once twice yeah. 15 times how many times this is where we get to a level of how are people really living because i would argue if you don't think about your breath you know i don't i don't really see that you're in a present state in some ways right yeah your breath is going on all the time it never stops your heart rate is going on all the time but when's the last time you were like you could feel it oh wow i feel it but then what happens when you take your hand away can you still feel it yeah these are now levels of awareness and levels of perception about yourself that you should have Mm -hmm. elite athletes elite functioning people business people entrepreneurs uh scientists like in any industry, these highly, highly, highly functioning people are not just really good thinkers. They're really good people at tuning into different areas of their body, mm. right? And that's more of now shifting into focus mm. and awareness, right? Mm. Can I focus on my right pinky toe and what it's doing right now? Mm-hmm. Well, we're not looking at it. I'm not touching it. I'm not even moving it. But can I pay attention to this, this perception mm-hmm. of my sock? and the the threads on my pinky toe Mm. that's focus Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's how you maybe drive change or drive attention to somewhere Mm. that's interesting that's an interesting idea knowledge bombs are being dropped right now literally um 
there's a there's a concept that he also mentioned that I'm going to just fuck it up honestly. <laughs> uh, but it's is it intro? It's not introspection. It's uh, interception maybe. Like uh, being able like to feel your like it's that feeling of being able to feel yourself right? Isn't yeah. that interception? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. So interoception. In, yes. Interoception. Yeah. Yes. The understanding of where you're at in space. Right. Like, is that what that is? Kinda. So yeah. that's again. This is where we're now. Like, it's hard to separate these, right? Because these systems are a lot of the time working together and coexisting, yeah. right? Yeah. Your vestibular system is also telling you that. Where mm-hmm. am I? Which way am I going? Which way is up? Mm-hmm. That tells you, am I laying down because I'm on my back sleeping? Mm-hmm. Or am I sitting upright and my head's neutral? Mm-hmm. That tells you a lot of that information. However, like you said, you have other senses, like are my feet moving? Mm-hmm. Are these other things? Am I, is my you know conscious brain telling myself to take steps right now? Mm. Or am I standing still? So these are other senses, like we said, you take the eyes away, other senses that become heightened because now I'm focused on feeling the ground beneath me. Mm. I feel my knees are actually locked, they're not bent, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, I'm not squatting, mm-hmm. I'm actually standing. Mm-hmm. So these senses from these other receptors are sending what's called uh, afferent, no, efferent. E- yeah, yeah, yeah. Efferent uh, signals. signals back to the brain yeah. to give that information and answer that question. Yeah. And so that's where... Like I said, all those other senses kind of tell you what you're doing as well. Mm-hmm. Interoception is going to be more so, I would say, the, the the homeostatic properties. Now, this is where I would argue interoception is in some way a blend of your proprioception and your vestibular system, mm. right? Um, Which proprioception is? Is now more of your skin and body, right? Okay, like, okay. I feel it's cold in here. Exactly. Because yeah. there's thermoreceptors in your skin and in your cells Man, that are so many sensing things. in that local subcutaneous distribution yeah. what's going on, yeah. right? I feel the breeze across my hair follicles and it's making me create a chilled sensation on my left arm yeah. that goes up and activates a different area in the brain. All of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, I don't want my left arm there. Yeah. Now so, you're feeling yourself in a different way. But mm-hmm. I would, again, argue that's a blend of proprioception and interoception. Interoception is going to be more based off of um, in my opinion, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Are you warm? Are you cool? Like yeah. it's a blend of some of the proprioceptives, but there's also things that are internal mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel your stomach moving mm-hmm. or it's kind of emptying or that sort of thing? And that's where it's like, it manages a lot of your existing properties, mm-hmm. right? Just feeling coolness on your arm is not necessarily, um, something that's critical to survival. <laughs> I, I mean, it not, is not, to an extent, right? right? It is to an extent, but in like, today's society, like in our uh, pampered life, like we, that's not necessarily something right. that we think about, but right. Like interoception for maybe eating, mm-hmm. right? You feel the stretching in your intestines and your stomach because you just digested food. Mm. Well, in some ways that's interoceptive, but in other ways, there's also proprioceptive cells and receptors that are pulling back. Okay. You know what? The tissue on your stomach is actually expanding Mm. and that's creating an efferent signal back up to the brain of what's going on. Mm. So this, this is, like I said, there's so many systems and kind of coexisting things that at some level we can't isolate, right? We can't try and separate them and and pretend that they exist in a vacuum. Like this is a, a moving, you know, cohesive object. It's all, it's all the same thing. One One system leads to another. Exactly. And this is, this is where neurology is the most encompassing 
system of any system. Mm -hmm. It's the most encompassing science of all of them. Mm. It takes your biology, your chemistry, your physio uh, physiology, your physics. Yeah. Um, it takes all of them and integrates them into one, mm -hmm. right? Your biology can't exist without your chemistry. They have to work together, mm -hmm. right? We study them independently so that we know how they function, mm -hmm. but we have to insert them back into the equation and say they don't just function independently, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is where, whew, going down some rabbit holes, but this <laughs> is where when you start to understand that when you improve your neurology, the electrical firing of different areas of your brain, you can change the chemistry and you can change the biology and you can change the physiology mm -hmm. inside of your body. Just from that one thing. Just from that one thing. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? So for example, I could help someone's hunger, right? Something that is kind of maybe not related with an eye movement mm. because of the way that the anatomy is designed and the way that different areas of our brain stimulate different areas in the body. Mm -hmm. So that's where we can start to attribute neuroplasticity and uh, different ways to create change in the brain and body. Mm -hmm. For example, pain is one of those. Movement mm -hmm. is one of those. I want to improve somebody's movement. Guess what? Give them an eye drill that is stimulating that same area of the brain that's required in that movement. Yeah. Boom. All of a sudden that movement gets easier. Well, same thing applies to anxiety, to depression, right? Mm -hmm. All these different things that we feel and uh, want to change, we're now able to with mm -hmm. understanding the system and how it all works. Everything that we are is brain derived. Mm -hmm. And we start to pretend that the brain is not involved in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. We really lose the the kind of understanding of the brain and body. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting idea for sure, dude. Like it just uh, how important that is and how uh, in the in the beginning and infancy stages we are of understanding what it is and how to apply it in everyday life. Like you don't really see that many people talking about this stuff or yeah. saying anything that, uh, that can really help people in a more fundamental level. It's right. all, it's all like a more surface, you know, level stuff like a band aid instead of maybe getting down to the root. Right. Cause. And this is where it's, you know, if people don't want to put the effort in to think about it, they don't even get this far. Yeah. I, and that's okay. Yeah. But at the same time, those would be the people that go to the chiropractor nonstop every mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. They go get a massage every week. Mm -hmm. They go get these things because, and, and nothing wrong with chiropractor massages, but they feel as if they are limited and they're bound to that modality as a treatment or as change. They go to the chiropractor because something's wrong in their body. Mm -hmm. They go get a massage because, well, I feel better and my shoulder stops hurting. Well, why don't we actually figure out what's causing your shoulder to hurt or what's causing your shoulder to not move well? And let's figure out neurologically how we can change that. Because mm -hmm, sometimes it's not necessarily structural. It's not structurally. The reason isn't structural. Exactly. The limitation is not structural. It's more neurological. It's yeah. your brain hasn't learned to own that movement or own that range of motion. Okay, so let's fucking learn how to do it. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're going to go to the chiropractor and the massage, the masseuse forever, mm -hmm. and you're never going to change. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is we're humans. We are meant to change. Mm -hmm. um, one of the first things I remember learning in biology was adaptation. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you're supposed to adapt as a moving, living, breathing organism. Yeah. And when you're not forced to adapt, you, in some ways, I would believe, 
begin to die and yeah. begin to slowly decay. Mm-hmm. Like your existence starts to go down when you get into the same patterns, when you start doing the same things over and over, and when you're not challenged to adapt, mm-hmm. whether that's in a minute-to-minute situation or a day-by-day, month-to-month situation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of times I believe people that stay in one location, that don't move houses, don't move cities, don't move states, they don't change. They don't grow, really. They don't actually, in my perception, they don't live. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Woo! Uh, so, you know, what do you, what is one thing that you think people will look back on 2020 in the fitness space not necessarily just like you know i mean even maybe necessarily like covid you know all the all this the things in the world but like uh what do you think like let's just stick with fitness like is one of the things that like man you know we were doing that one wrong there's a lot stretching could be one of them no no, i'm just kidding um no i think i think people just need to also learn to think yeah i i don't know what it is maybe maybe the the virus and, and i'm not trying to draw a line in the sand here but at the same time like people would much rather let a solution just be so easy and just be like, you know what? That's, that's the, the answer. Mm-hmm. Not going into the nuances. A lot, a lot of people don't want to put that energy investment, that time investment into thinking a little more, investigating what, what is actually going on there. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether that's coronavirus, whether that's figuring out if you have diabetes, like sometimes people are just so out of tune and out of sync with their bo- brain and body that they just are on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And in like, that could be because of a head trauma. That could be because of a drug use. That could be because of their vestibular system isn't functioning very well. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The only stability they have is going to that nine to five job, mm. interacting with the same people because that's how threatened they already are in their brain and like at an unconscious level that they just want to mm-hmm. act in that little environment. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but at some level, uh, you need to get things shaken up a little bit. Yeah. Unexpectedly, so you can learn how to bounce back almost. It's like that that whole idea in this conversation for me of like your head tilts, you come back. It's like that thing of like, okay, I'm comfortable, but I almost need to tilt my head and make sure that I can come back. Yes, or, like, or go into that kind of uncharted next. area and then... And then be able to come back and know that you can go to that area again yes, or whatever it yes. is. Like you can constantly stretch that new limitation, that new boundary. Like you're, you're stretching what you can achieve exactly um yeah it's it's just you know it's, it's really wild in the fitness industry right now you know i think one of the challenges is the shift to online stuff mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm much more of a in-person sort of person i think that you know we are taking advantage of being able to connect with people and, and interact with people online in, online and and you know that's that's technology advancing but at the same time it's um it's challenging because you're not able to really interact. Like it's like almost like a, I don't even know what it is really. Like what what are we doing like on Zoom? You know, like uh, or wherever you're at, FaceTime and all that. Yeah, like how, how what's what's that doing to fitness? It's doing something to people, really. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. In some ways, it's really disconnecting them and isolating them, like. You may be connected and seeing this person, but you're seeing an image and that image is more of now a belief as opposed to like concrete image in person, right? You're connected through a device as opposed to being connected physically yeah. in the same room. Like, oof, if we were doing this, if the same call on a Zoom, you know, 
call, it would be way different. Yeah. We might not have the same depth of a conversation because we're not, not necessarily physically together, but also able to see and, and connect at a different level. Right. Like yeah. get that feedback. Like the, there's such a, there's a feedback to seeing bodies in person, like, uh, smelling another sense, right? Like, you know, just other ways of, dude, you do need to wash your feet too, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's um, that's funny. yeah. Fitness industry. You know what? It's, I, I like to, and this is where I, I, I kind of challenge myself, right? Cause, cause I'm a coach and, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a behavior change specialist. I'd like to say, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to say that I strictly operate in the fitness industry. I work with people that want to get fit mm-hmm. because they have a maybe uh altered understanding of what that means mm. and and in some ways wanting to get fit is really just a meaning for wanting to change mm-hmm. wanting to look differently wanting to move differently wanting to feel differently right mm-hmm. so a lot of my i insert myself in there because as a doctor right which is actually what i wanted to be my, my dad's a doctor my mom's in the health industry you know she like instilled this idea of like wanting to help people wanting to help create change mm. and you go to a doctor i mean when's the last time you've been to a doctor it's been a minute it's been a minute right well i when i got stung by a fire ant and had to go to the emergency room which I- oh boy <laughs> let's talk about that on another podcast goodness gracious freak outs with tanner um no, i'm just kidding but yeah so people like when the health industry doesn't necessarily it's not helping people yeah. right you the average doctor visit i think they said like what five years ago the statistic was seven minutes your average doctor visit right and even then what level of care is a doctor really helping you with right Mm -hmm. maybe in the case where it's too far you know down the line you have stage four cancer you Mm -hmm. oh my gosh you have a fever this you know at some level like what can that doctor really do for you yeah um it's almost coming back to the like but what can they do you know like there's so many there's so many things that have got built into that system of healthcare that uh, corrupt the actual service itself. So it goes back to the point then of like, you know, you can't necessarily rely upon what this person, obviously, you know, a doctor has always been a, uh, in our, in America, I feel like, or even around the globe, like a, a idealized like person or like they want to do good. They want to help people. But like, they don't necessarily have the capability to help you at an in-depth, uh, you know, they, they, they have to see other people. They exactly. have other, like they have other things that they have to do. Exactly. So you have to take that responsibility on yourself to, even though that's may not be what you're interested, it may not be anything. Some people may not even care really, you know, like, uh, they don't care about health. Like it's just not a thing that's important to them. But you got it. Like at that stage, you have to take on more responsibility for yourself. I feel like and understanding yourself a little bit more. I, uh, one of my clients that I, I see online, um, I remember working with him back in California and he said this really profound statement. It was, um, I think it was something like you prioritize your health or your health will prioritize you when you fall sick. Mm -hmm. Right. And at some level, you know, just being sick from thinking not well or being sick in a medical sense of you have a fever, you have a cold, you have inflammation in the body that you need to get um, resolved, right? Mm-hmm. At some level, if you're not able to create change in the body, I would consider that the beginning of being sick, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's physically, mentally, 
you know, what, whatever level you want to use, mm-hmm. that's where we have to be able to change, mm-hmm. right? Um, one of the beautiful things about this system that I like to focus on is the immediate change, mm-hmm. right? Using an eye drill, using a vision drill, using a, um, a breathing drill, a mobility drill to show that somebody can think differently in that moment or they can feel their body differently. They can move their body differently, right? Like showing somebody that their in-range of motion was here and we did a vision drill and all of a sudden they can bring their shoulder all the way up. Yeah. That's different. And that's like, whoa, who I was before, who I thought I was, who I thought I could move as Mm -hmm. is now different Mm. because you just created change. Mm -hmm. And that's where neuroplasticity sticks. That's where it starts to, you know, create changes in the brain and body mm-hmm. so if we i don't know how long we've been going here probably oh it's only an hour and a half oh hour 23 hour 23 cool i was making sure we're still rolling um you what, what would you like say to someone who is struggling not only like during this time you know like there's a lot of people struggling uh how can you give them some pieces of adv- can you give them some advice can you give them some words of reagan wisdom to uh send them out on like a you know uh, the, the like the belief in uh, that change yeah seeing yourself become better um so this was one of my favorite like catchphrases change your brain change your body change your life right mm-hmm. well, your brain is everything that you are it could be your mind it could be your mindset um, could also be your current neural wiring, how things are wired. But at any level, you have to start doing things different, whether that's waking up 10 minutes earlier, whether that's doing some movement at the beginning of the day, whether that's eating breakfast in the morning that you didn't used to do. At some level, we are a species that has to change. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no adaptation. Otherwise, there's no growth, mm-hmm. right? Change is inevitable. When you stop changing you start, in my opinion, dying, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know... Go out and book a trip to... Even though you can't book a trip, doesn't mean you have to do something crazy. Right. It doesn't mean that you even have to, like, start doing vision training, yeah. right? But at some level, if there's something in your life that you're not happy about and you want to change, you need to start looking at this level of work and finding somebody that understands this, like a Z trainer, it doesn't have to just be me. There's so many others out there across the world mm-hmm. that are helping people create change. Like I said, perfect example. One of my clients um, is, is a veteran and her experience just in pain, but that wasn't her focus. Her focus was, I wanna lose weight. Well, guess what? Maybe you can't lose weight and you can't go be that fun self that you used to be because you're in pain and because you're still holding on to old traumas that are preventing you from changing mm-hmm. and preventing you from growing into that person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, What's... my profession comes in. Mm-hmm. We start dealing and working on these things that are in some ways holding you back and preventing you from changing, right? Because change is in some way, it's, it's kind of scary. It's new, right? It's different. So in some ways, your brain is like, I don't know what's going to happen because that sense of being able to predict what's next isn't there as much. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's also scary Mm -hmm. because you don't know what to predict. But at the end of the day, with the consistent mindset, with the belief that this change is going to be good no matter what, even if it's scary, even if it's threatening, it's going to create some sort of change and some sorts of benefit for me Mm. in my existence. Mm. Awesome. So... 
where can people find you what's like the what's what's your what's your upcoming plans i mean we haven't even talked in a little bit so like i guess you know we were you know you wanted to make a transition more into adapting with fitness and like going online but like what what where are you going to be at in the next couple what's your plan for the next year um personally it's it's still up in the air you know mm-hmm. i'm uh i really would like to be out on the west coast i think that's just a, a which more, i still don't understand that i still don't understand it i think it's a more suiting environment for me yeah. I, I think um you know not just necessarily the people but i think there are maybe maybe this podcast can help me find some people here but <laughs> but uh maybe i i just believe in and you know there's a reason the west know, coast is like the west and east coast maybe more uh, everything starts there and floods to the center. That's what they say, right? Couldn't have said it better. That's right? what they say. But Texas is also on the outside. And Austin is specifically even more on the outside of Texas. I would say that Austin should be in California. Uh, I'm not saying that... You, I'm not trying to talk you into it. But hey, Joe Rogan is moving here from I, California. I, I heard that shit. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I can't dude. believe that. He's leaving the Bell, uh, the Los Angeles Hills for this. What? But do they saying that it's not like that anymore? Yeah. I mean, you know, like obviously I don't like... I haven't been out there. Yeah. I haven't been out there yeah. any time. Re- I've been out there, but not recently. So it's like... And you're not necessarily trying to go to where LA. You're trying to be like more... Right. Like in the San, San Diego. Diego. You know, a little bit south of that. Yeah. But, I mean, my, my thing right now is I want to be more around people that will help assist this change, mm-hmm. right? My my belief and my um, my goal is to create this change at a higher scale, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, who do maybe the common person or who, who does the common person really look up to? Mm-hmm. Could be a business person, could be, you know, a celebrity because of their, you know, movie entertainment industry, yep. or could be a professional athlete. Well, I was always an athlete. I always will be. So my goal is to get to that level of working with athletes and professional athletes because of the impact that they can create on other people, mm-hmm. right? Michael Jordan, LeBron James, like they've established a following of people just because of their how good they are. How good they are, but it's not how good they are, it's how good their nervous systems are functioning in the industry game. in the game in the movement in the you know way that they need it to mm-hmm. right so in a professional athlete they need high 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 levels of working vision um predictability skills game-like scenarios they need very 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 good movement competency um just and, curious there though so because i i just had a thought of like well if this ath- this athlete lebron james has been playing basketball for how long he probably is maybe i'm wrong but he probably is already consistently training that that vestibular system he's he's constantly doing it already not not that he couldn't do it better but he probably athletes in general people that uh are high functioning let's call it they probably are consistently already doing that unknowingly Maybe yes, yes. And, and I would say more reinforcing. I would probably old patterns, right? Yeah. Like this is where we we're kind of getting to maybe speculating a little bit, but yeah. This system is is like taking specific patterns, right? It's taking specific movements. If somebody is shooting the ball here, they need to be able to move their head in that position, yeah. right? And this is where, unless they're working with someone that is certified in um, this applied neuroscience. 
they aren't taking it to that level of training. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they aren't right now. But one of the things is you can study, and, and I hate to be critical of this, but you can study how well someone's functioning neurologically by how well they move. Mm-hmm. You watch someone walk and you see literally how well they actually are functioning. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they can't function well um, outside of it. For example, LeBron, you watch him walk. That man has the most externally rotated lower limbs. Yeah. But you see him run and you see him jump and he's doing amazing things. But it's because he's compensating at a very, very, very high level. Mm. At some level, that needs to be addressed. Otherwise, he's going to keep being hurt. And, and this is also a thing too. We don't know that he's not in chronic pain dealing with like how many how many massages does he get in a week broken bones stuff like we we don't know that right we don't know that he's not getting a chiropractor adjustment after every game massage for three hours after every you know we don't we don't have that information so at some level he's still doing these feats of elite performance but he's still at the end of the day like spending how much time maintaining that vessel to help him perform yeah i mean he's 37 he's got grayness in his beard which you know we can talk about this but gray (laughs) hair is a sign of stress yeah and you know at this at the end of the day like shaquille o'neal magic johnson look look at those really good athletes and look at where they're at now you see them move they're they're moving like they're 75 years old yeah yeah and why aren't they doing any of this training because right now they don't need to be those elite performers but they still do need to move well and feel well yeah look at nfl players oh baby (laughs) <laughs> injury every freaking week yeah right in the game in the off season every single time and why are these people these elite athletes still getting hurt and we're not really actually giving them the care they need mm-hmm. we're not actually getting them out of complete pain mm. we're not actually helping them completely only just enough to get them to play the sport and then refresh get mm. us a new set of athletes mm. Mm. it's an yeah, industry it is, yeah, it's a Got to Yeah. But it almost goes back to the same idea of like, you got to have change, right? You got to have new oh, things. Yeah. You got to have new things. And like, uh, that's just how we operate in general as humans, right? Like we always want something uh, new because yeah. it's novel. It creates it. Oh, what, what is that? I, I've not seen that before. I can't predict what's going to come next, right? Yeah. We, we live in this world in this unconscious like design of being able to pre- predict what's next. Yeah in conversation a lot of times you're listening to answer and predict what that person's going to say and like already coming up with your response before even taking in what they just said and like internalizing and be like wait what did that person say what did their words just mean yeah oh okay. yeah right yeah yeah there's like um i hear practices like or how you can get better at doing stuff like that one of them's just responding with what the person actually said making sure you heard it right you know, like, did I hear what you said right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you just said this. Okay. You know, that's a little practice that I've heard people do. Yeah. But, um, so you, you're wanting to work with more high level athletes. Mm-hmm. You might be going out to California soon. Yeah. I hope um, not, but who, who knows? My, my goal is, uh, like I said, to, to use more athletes as a, as a platform. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, any athlete can, can benefit from this change. Any person can benefit from this change, even though they might not consider themselves an athlete, right? You still need to move in athletic ways for your brain and body right? Yeah. that are athletic for you. And that's where it's almost more of like an empowerment, right? Like I want to 
work with people. I want to help people feel that they are not having to be stuck in that same way. Mm. They don't have to be that same person they were last week. Mm -hmm. Next week, they can start to already adapt and evolve and grow into that heightened person that they want to be, whether Mm -hmm. that's they're unlocking their potential, whether that's them getting rid of old habits and creating new changes or to just being more aware, Mm -hmm. like asking yourself 10 times in a day, where's my breath? Asking myself 10 times in a day, um, you know, where's my mood at? How am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Can I feel my toes? Kind of being just more aware of this organism. Mm -hmm. It's going to get you so much further in life. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So speaking of uh, Evolve, uh, where's the the original name for Z-Evolver come from? (laughs) Can we even talk about it? So I, I didn't address this, but one of the things that... You know, one of my experiences with Z Health was the change in myself. Yeah. Right. Like, how did why 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 do we even care about this? Why is this even a system that you know I'm so passionate about? Well, I was uh, living in California, and uh, it was the fall of 2017, and my um, not so smart uh, <laughs> decision to buy a motorcycle and then to ship. Hey, it. that was a smart decision. But then, then to ship it out to California was uh, a little bit rec- reckless. And in some ways, you know, my areas of my brain were not saying, you know what, is that a good decision? Yeah. You know, my executive decision making, right? My frontal lobe, my inhibition ability um, was not working that well. And a coach always needs a coach, right? Because they, they help you in spots that you can't see, you know? And um, I, uh, I brought, brought a motorcycle out and was, again, still on this uh unfamiliar path and started to do things a little dangerously i was you know lane splitting hey let's just say yeah living right you're in some ways lane splitting something happened and what happened i was in an accident right i was in an accident and uh i was okay in some ways but i broke part of my clavicle right It it was a partial fracture um but it wasn't enough to need the the steel and rod which i was like oh my god those pull-ups, those, you know, barbell presses were maybe something to help, like, just even milk, right? Like, having more bone density, moving Ice more. cream, milk, what? Yeah, yeah <laughs> dairy, um, you know, helps the calcium, right? Helps the bone solidify, but then also just stress. Walking, yeah. moving, running, jumping. Yeah. If you don't do those things in that injury, you probably would have crippled and, and shattered more bones. But yeah. I was lucky, cracked the bone. Um, still, in my, you know, 24 years of living on this world... Most painful thing I've ever had, literally, I just remember standing in the middle of the freeway and like holding back tears, holding this tension, just being like, oh my God, this hurts like a mother, like couldn't even feel it. And I went, went home, was, was kind of on bed rest. And this is when I was at that gym in Berkeley and I was really just along this journey to kind of discover change and see what it was like and like. If there's a time that I need it, it's right now. You know, yeah. let's see if this shit really works. Let's see if I can move my eyes in a different way and I can move my body in different ways and it creates change. My pain from this motorcycle accident, my fractured clavicle can change, right? Let's see it. Because you're, so, you're just in a, uh, a sling at that point, right? Or are you even in a sling? I, I, was, I was so, like, didn't really know what to do because I was, you know, off on my own. I got uh, an x-ray and they said, yeah, it's just, it's fractured, but 
I didn't actually go see a doctor to go see if I needed surgery, anything like that. I just kind of figured based on the x-ray, it was probably be okay. And uh, <laughs> you're like, real you're, smart, right? I'm, I'm like, like, oh, yeah, that looks good. Like, oh, <laughs> that, that looks like a, you put some Elmer's glue in that thing. Like, <laughs> you know, like my 24-year-old medical expertise, right? And uh, so I went, you know, I went and I was like, you know what? I, I think we can do this. Let's, let's do this. Let's test it. So I'm actually going to pull this up because I think it would actually be somewhat helpful. But yeah. Let me, uh, why, why are you pulling it up here real quick? Still on? Yeah, I'm just gonna make sure. That one wasn't, but this one is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, we back. So, I was doing this app called Hemistim. 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 Hemi so, with some of that Hemistim. Right? Basically, as you can see, it's just a, a, a simple movement, right? Yeah, there we go. It's a, it's just a little movement, right? Yeah. It's, it's a little target. And basically, you can set this up to, um, like we said, vision drills. Um, different eye positions, different eye movements actually stimulate different areas in the brain. Yeah. So in my perception, in my experience there, my left side of my brain was underperforming, mm -hmm. right? I was in an injury. I, was, I was, had an accident in pain, right? And that, you know, ipsilaterally, if you're in pain on one side, that would be considered as your left side brainstem, in that case, was not working as well. So based on the anatomy, based on the neuro neurology and the wiring um, and the patterns, you could create stimulus through the eyes and through mobility and through vestibular movements to stimulate that brainstem, right? So I was like, fuck it, let's do it, mm -hmm. let's do it. Mm -hmm. I started doing all in any drill that at that time, like two, two courses in to my experience with functional neurology and applied neuroscience, what I could try and do. So I did eye movements in a certain position, um, down and left, up and right. Uh, and then I did uh, a bunch of mobility drills on the opposite side, right? So a combination of different stimuli to create upregulation or more activation just for the left side of my brain. So I had this, uh, with a hope of quickly healing your collarbone. Yeah. With the hope of just, I want to see if I could change. I'm in 10 out of 10 pain. I'm laying down even just to like flex my head and neck and start sitting up. I feel like I'm going to like pass out. Yeah. Hurts to the T, right? Yeah. Like can't even move. They give you the pain pills. First day I took them. Second day I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to go down that route. Yeah. And so I actually, even on the first day, like literally minutes after this accident, <laughs> I set up my phone to start playing a vision drill, right? Mm -hmm. you, you could use your thumb, you could use a pin, you could use any target, but using technology in this case is a way to make it more passive and mm -hmm. still get the stimulus without as much work. So I'm literally using my phone, I'm laying in bed with this injury, watching this screen, watching my eyes, boom, 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 for hours and hours and hours and hours. I'm just like, Committed. going into this right yeah. you know putting time in and i'm laying there in bed and after the first day i'm like okay it's starting to change second day i didn't need the pain meds the mm. third day i was like okay this is really really changing like i know i'm kind of on bed rest right now but this is different like mm. i'm still like movement isn't comfortable but it's changed i just broke this you know thing day six i literally am not wearing a sling mm. and that's when i'm like this is real. So I'm going through this each day, like hour or so at a time, like 20 or 30 minutes, as much as I literally can physically stand to hold my <laughs> hand in this position while I'm laying down. I, I just went with it six days in a row out of pain. I'm like, 
Okay. No pain. No pain. To the point I'm like, I don't need a sling. My client, I, I like go back to the gym. My clients are like, you were just in an accident last week. Like, what the hell? I'm like, I mean, I'm good. Like, I'm not trying to push it, but like, it's different. Yeah. Like, it's definitely different. And at Something's that point, you clicked. can't like necessarily raise your arm up. But oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, look, I can do this, right? I could get my arm like this, but it was like, ooh, like this. Yep. No, you know, not yeah. comfortable. So that's day six, right? Two weeks go by. I remember the end of the second week. It's like day 17. I'm like, I can fucking raise this up. Like, I'm raising my shoulder. And I'm like, my, I was like, look, look, look. I was showing my clients. I'm like, look, look, look. I'm raising this up. And they're like, you shouldn't. You know, their old beliefs start kicking in. They're like, stop doing that. You're going to hurt yourself. Blah, blah. End of week two, I do a freaking pull up. And I was like, it's real. Yeah. I know it's real now. I'm literally doing hip circles on the opposing side to create stimulus. I'm doing the drill. I'm literally going so far to the level of doing more of this rehab, these movements that are stimulating that area of the change to a point that I literally am like a different person two weeks later. Like I just had a really significant head trauma. There's still some trauma there. I need to isolate. But in terms of dealing with the left shoulder and the clavicle and, and all of that, completely healed mm. and and i'm not saying like in two weeks it's like oh it's back to normal right yeah there's still but you did a pull-up physiological adaptation that needed to take by to, or take place to like continue healing the bone for sure but that doesn't mean that it wasn't expedited yeah with the the neurology and with the vision and vestibular drills because literally after two weeks doing my first pull-up things changed mm. i Two weeks later, was now lifting again. Like it's a month after my injury, and I'm doing things almost ninety percent of what I was. And like, what's the typical? What's like six weeks? Four to eight weeks is is what they usually say. Yeah. Like four to eight weeks. Like four weeks is when bone is like kind of remodeling. But it, even then, again, like probably shouldn't be lifting or doing that sort of thing. Like a, a physical therapist would probably say three months before you're even lifting, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily one to just ignore that advice or ignore like, you know, that that adaptation has to happen. But at the same time, it doesn't mean, or my belief that it can't be improved and sped up. Right. And that's what I felt was happening. I could feel the bone. I could feel it actually changing. I could feel what was going on in it. And in some ways I was like, this is completely different. Yeah. And that's right there when I knew this is like life altering stuff. I mean, that was my first experience of kind of really feeling passionate about it. After that, started taking that passion with clients. Somebody had a broken bone. I'm like, I had a broken bone two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I just changed a lot of it. Yeah, I changed my function. I wasn't limited by the pain anymore. Mm-hmm. I can move my shoulder completely in the same way I can my other one. Mm-hmm. And that was like really, in some ways, like a spotlight and like shining onto this altered belief of our possibility of change, mm-hmm. right? Like... A, a doctor would have told me that this is not possible. A doctor would have said, like, don't do a pull-up two weeks after breaking your bone. That's stupid. Yeah. But at the same time, not just because there wasn't pain, but because I could feel the movement differently and regain ownership and, you know, autonomy of owning my body better, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was that belief that set this journey, right? Yeah. So that was, that was really my, my first experience in, like, this is functional neurology this is changing your brain this is changing your body this is literally changing mm-hmm. your life mm-hmm. so that's where zvolver originated kind of so that was my first experience with the health and um the gym that i was working at was called fitness evolved yeah and put it together z 
evolve and i was like okay z evolver let's do it yeah and that's where i felt myself almost transcend almost evolve into a higher person in terms of i had experienced something that i know like people don't experience like Mm -hmm. i could ask a room full of a million people and probably 50 of them would have felt something like that like this is to the point where i was so convinced that like there's witchcraft there's voodoo like i'm almost skeptical of this even working (laughs) that it that it blew my expectations out of the water yeah right another example one of my you know go to not go to one of my like i would say favorite you know i don't want to put favorites but like (laughs) she was someone that is just a genuine really good person right just meaning well giving well like just putting good out into the world yeah however she was born in a a war zone in syria Mm -hmm. right it's in her 30s and um this woman was a chronic 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 pain client right she came to our gym she's like i have 10 out of 10 pain i'm like wait what like right now like i'm i first you know meet her the first two or three sessions i was like you're in pain right now like 10 out of 10 that you're describing internally and if, if you think about it, like 10 out of 10 pain, like, I don't know, like when's the last time you felt 10 out of 10 pain? Like I never feel 10 out of 10 pain, bro. I'm sorry, like two right, out of 10. He's got, he's got iron on his, on his <laughs> veins, but 10 out of 10 pain, like your perception of maxed out pain is like, I would say like you're dying. Like you're like, somebody's beating you with a lead pipe. Like, I don't, I don't know yeah. what else you can equate to being in that level of pain. Of right. Yeah. yeah. And she's sitting there and I'm just like, I feel this energy of like, she feels burdened by it. Right. So I'm like, okay, let's see what we can do. Let's start testing. Let's do some stuff and uh, go through and test some of her eyes. Go through uh, what's called convergence, testing a pencil push-up basically. Get to this point where now uh, the pain is changing based off of her eye movements, right? So we started doing more testing and we found that one of her eyes was as she was tracking and tracking in, one of her eyes is not moving in at the same time as the other one. Well, mm. in terms of threat, in terms of pain, that is a very, very threatening problem or mm-hmm. challenge. We start doing drills to fix that that eye and, and to start getting the muscle, getting the movement better. She said, two days later, I haven't felt the pain just from doing this drill. This is someone that's lived with pain at 10 out of 10 for 20 years. Like she grew up in a war mm-hmm. and felt pain for 20 years of her life. And all of a sudden, we've changed it for 48 hours. Yeah. That was, again, confirmation that this is stuff that's very, very real mm-hmm. to create change for people. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. It is crazy. And, <laughs> and that's where with this mindset, with this skill set, with this expertise, with this understanding of how the brain and body work, I'm going to change lives. Yeah. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change enough people in this world to create a better world right like if we have higher functioning people we have people that are not afraid of change and people that want to adapt and grow and change we have people that are not as greedy we have people that aren't focused on abundance they're focused more on scarcity because they're more they don't want change like they don't want to change they they want to you know take that beaten path where it's like you know what it's kind of dark and scary over there but guess what we're there for the challenge and we're there to grow and change in that way mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah all right at zvolver perform underscore performance on instagram and your website needs to get up soon but that'll be <laughs> that'll be okay yeah, yeah. signing off zvolver <laughs> awesome dude
That was good.